0: we're back here on inside black and gold and as we mentioned the saints love pete carmichael i'm pretty sure he might be the longest tenured offensive coordinator in nfl history like i cannot find an example of a coach staying on as an offensive coordinator not an assistant not at whatever like you'll find assistants that have been on the team forever but i'm talking about specifically in a coordinator role offense defense special teams i don't know if you can find one because like even like 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 jimmy johnson not jimmy johnson um Dick LeBeau was on the Steelers forever, but he had like two different stints. So it seems like it was 20 years, but it was really 10. But yeah, Pete Carmichael is going to go into his 15th season as a Saints offensive coordinator, as long, assuming that you know they don't change their mind from what we have right now. He's going to be in that role, and uh, we're going to have to live with that. I'm Jeff Nowak, along with Steve Gellar. is Inside Black and Gold. And Steve, what was your reaction when you kind of saw, I think it was Mike Triplett who, who reported the news first, What was your reaction when you saw that? Because I think everyone kind of resigned themselves to be like, oh, okay, it's going to be a firing and we're going to move on.
1: I guess I wasn't as surprised maybe just because the fact that, to me at least, the Saints are getting pretty high interest from the defensive coordinator ranks, and I'm thinking that there's there's no one come a-calling, let's be honest, for Pete Carmichael Jr. I don't even know if Sean Payton will, but I think it's just more of that continuity for this team that they want to stick around and it, and it wasn't, it wasn't great. It was not awful. So we're still left in that hole. Let's give it a one more try with Carmichael at the helm here with Dennis.
0: Yeah. See, I don't think the defensive side of the ball had anything to do with it. I think this is a situation where it's like, okay, you, you dug your grave with these two guys and either you dig out of it with these two guys or you don't, but you're not going to throw someone else in that grave <laughs> <laughs> with Dennis okay. Allen. This is a weird analogy, but like I like I feel like that's what it is. It's like okay, you you made this you made the situation together and throwing someone else into that would almost be unfair to that person. So like you're going to just try to figure it out. I think it is like a continuity thing in the sense that you know, I think that there's a real scenario where Dennis Allen gets fired mid-season because things go terribly wrong, but the Saints are banking on okay, things are going to get better and we're going to get more, we're going to get better luck from an injury perspective, but we keep saying that every year. So why would we think that? You're going to get more consistent quarterback play early in the season. I don't know who from, but you're hoping say, you who get that it? quarterback, right? And I also think that the young wide receivers helped Pete Carmichael keep his job. Because if these are the guys, if, you know, the Chris Olave's and the Rashid Shaheed's are the guys that you're going to try to develop an offense with over the next decade. You don't want their first two years to be with different offensive coordinators. You want some continuity there. You want to be able, them to be able to grow. So yeah, I mean, I thought it was going to come down to whether they say fired or, or parts ways, right? I think I thought that's what I thought it was going to be like. that certain, and I'm still not convinced that they're going to stand pat Agreed. the way things are. I think that, and I think Bobby Aber brought this up, is like you can have an offensive coordinator that doesn't call the plays, and we know that because the Saints have had that forever, you know, like Pete Carmichael has been the saints offensive coordinator for 15 years going on 15 years, but the first 14, he was not the play caller. He was in 2012 because Sean Payton was suspended and he was for a couple games here or there. And he did in the preseason, but by and large, he was not the play caller. And I think that one way you could shake things up without pulling the rug out from under anybody is by saying, Hey, Ronald, why don't you try calling the plays? Or, you know, maybe even I think I think Ross Jackson mentioned this is like maybe they love the co-defensive coordinator scenario so much that they'll promote Ronald Curry to the co-offensive coordinator. And maybe that helps solve the problem. But like, I do think that a big issue was like in-game decision making and in-game adjustments. And I think that one way to help solve that is to take some of the in-game decision making off of Pete Carmichael's plate so that he can look at be more cognizant of the bigger picture and see trends and, and, you know, spend more time looking at tablets. I think that's, that would be a way that I would be satisfied, but like, it is frustrating to see this team kind of just run it back after the frustration of this last season. There's no, I don't think there's any, any, any way around that.
1: I'm still wondering, you know, you were going down the road and I, I don't know if you feel this way too, that I don't know if Pete is necessarily set as the offensive coordinator what if, in our dream scenario of worlds, bam, the Saints make that move and have traded for Lamar Jackson? Do you really think that Pete Carmichael Jr. is going to be Lamar Jackson's offensive coordinator? Uh, I don't know about it's that. It's a one. good question. But at the same time,
0: I don't necessarily think that I have an issue with that. If anything, Pete, you could argue, is better suited than many to run a Lamar Jackson system because, because he has, yeah. It, I mean, like it, it's, it's not like he's unfamiliar with the cut, co- like having to design concepts for a quarterback who, who wants to run like that. That's not what I would criticize of, of about Pete. Cause I think he's done that reasonably well. I and just so didn't see that creativity this year. For oh me no, you, really you definitely did. It. You definitely did with, from the, with, from the running position from Taysom mill had 11 uh, touchdowns as a
1: whole, the offense for me, just, I don't know. It it lacked a lot of that same pizzazz, I guess you would say. Yeah, but not
0: not in like, yeah, for like screenplays and shit like that. But like in the sense that he was designing an offense for a running quarterback, you got 11 touchdowns out of that guy. That's not where the creativity was lacking. So like I'm not I'm not concerned about that part of his offensive uh, repertoire in terms of designing game plans.
1: Well, what's crazy, too, is everybody was left wanting
0: more of that guy. Yeah. Right. So like, that's not, that's, again, that's not the part of the offense that I'm overly critical of. That was some of the more exciting offense that you saw from the saints this year. Like the creativity was lacking because you had to be more creative with Andy Dalton because he was so limited. Whereas like with, with a Lamar Jackson, you're a lot of the offense is okay. We're setting this up. Either it works or you run. So, <laughs> so like it's, 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 it's more about giving him opportunities to use his athleticism than necessarily designing situations where you're trying to make up for something like the, the, the athletic ability makes it a lot easier. Anyway, I, I don't think that that's something where you would be like, Oh, we definitely have to change the offensive staff because of Lamar Jackson. And that's one of the reasons I think it makes sense to trade for Lamar Jackson. Would you bring in somebody as an assistant who's familiar with him? Probably. Right? Like, I think you would adjust the staff. Like you'd have to kind of shift some of your, maybe, 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 you shift Cody Burns and you bring in another wide receivers coach, something like that. Like, but I I don't know if I think Pete would actually make more sense with Lamar than he did with Andy. I'm surprised to hear that
1: actually. I I, I don't know. For me, uh, I I just don't want to see Andy Dalton again. No, I hear you. And and I don't know with the, the lack of excitement from the offense. Was that really? um, How excited are are you going to get about an offense with Andy Dalton? But look at all the rest of the weapons for me around you. You can still, and they just weren't used in the right way. I I don't know why things didn't work with Alvin Kamara more. I don't know why things didn't. I get. I guess I can't say that with Jawan Johnson. He had a heck of a heck of a year. But uh, you know, Taysom had a, a decent season, obviously. But there were still you know more instances down the stretch you wanted to see uh, Olave stretching the field and. Rashid Shahid as, as well, stretching the field more. And I understand they weren't pushing the ball as much with a guy like Dalton, but you could with Taysom at quarterback. The Saints had the second most 40 plus
0: yard plays in the NFL this season. Second most? And all of them were passes. I would never have guessed that for sure. They had 14 of them. Um, no, they didn't have a ton of 20 yard plays. Like if you want to look at like 20 to 40, I don't think that they were up toward the top there, but they did have a lot of long uh, yeah. connections. Yeah. And just I mean, you're talking happen- 14. That's we the see- problem with designing your offense around big plays is, you know, 14 was second in the NFL. And you have 17 games. So you're talking, you just do the math there. That's less than one per game.
1: And you are up toward the top of the NFL in that metric. I just feel like the roster's got a lot of guys that are yak gods. And they didn't really utilize that aspect this past season, at least.
0: No, I agree with that. But again, that's not, you know, yak isn't, isn't the Lamar Jackson system either. So... Like, I think it's like, if you want to get excited about an offense, you don't hand the keys to the 35-year-old guy who at his peak wasn't exciting. Like, it's a very ho-hum, like, he's going to run the offense, he's going to do it well, but it's like, you're not, it's not going to be a a dynamic offense.
1: Then we go back into two, yeah, obviously, then why weren't we looking at Jameis Winston at all? But that's a whole other conversation.
0: Yeah, right. I mean, I don't think they wanted Jameis Winston, but either way, I don't think that would have moved the needle for you on offense. It's... I, I, I just think that this, this, this system this year didn't work, and that's why it's frustrating to see them stick with it. Now, one thing that did work was Rashid Shahid. He was not used enough early in the season, but he was later as the season went on. I think you were able to incorporate him more into the game plan. You know, one of the reasons that I think is difficult to utilize that guy as early was because he's not familiar with all of the things that he needs to do, right? He's learning on the fly. Um, he didn't have a full training camp. He didn't get any snaps in the preseason. So when you finally find out about him in week five, I'm sorry, week six, then you're like, well, what do we do now? Like we have to incorporate him. And so I think you saw throughout the course of the season that he got more familiar with schemes and the numbers that he was able to put up were very impressive. And so you look at like yards per reception that he's going to be under the floor of most of these stats because, you know, they're going to be set at like 50 targets, but he only had 34 because he wasn't used uh, enough in the season. But so he had 34 targets, 28 catches, 488 yards, two touchdowns. Yards per reception was 17.4. That's number three in the NFL if you just put the floor at like 25 targets. Jalen Waddell was 18.1. Gabe Davis was 17.4. Yards Mm -hmm. per target, 14.4. That would be number one in the NFL. Jalen Waddell at 10.3. Darius Slayton at 10.2. Yards after catch per reception, that's Rashid at 6.3. That's number five on the NFL. Guys ahead of him, Debo Samuel, Rondell Moore, Jalen Waddle, Christian Watson. Yards per route run, fourth behind Tyreek Hill, Leviska Chanel, who I think the Saints single-handedly helped that stat for him. Uh, and Justin Jefferson, 2.62. Zero penalties committed. So like he didn't false start. He didn't get offensive pass interference. You know, he didn't do anything stupid. And then zero interceptions when targeted. The other thing, passer rating when targeted. that's second in the NFL behind only McCole Hardman. And I think most of Pat Mahomes' receivers have a pretty good passer rating when targeted because he has a pretty good passer rating all the time. If you extrapolate his pace over 100 targets, which is not a crazy number. It's about six targets a game if you play all 17 games. You're talking 82 catches, 1,435 yards, six touchdowns. So like... One of the reasons that I think Pete Carmichael was able to save his job is that he was able to 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 build Rashid Shahid throughout the course of the season to, and then at the end, you're talking like five six catches a game. He's running enough routes to be an impact, and so that's something you're going to try to build on. And the big play ability of this offense, despite being capped by the quarterback, I think was still there. So I think those are some of the reasons that you 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 kept him around. Because you have to find uh, reasons for optimism. Otherwise, it doesn't make sense.
1: I, I know. It's it's real easy to be critical after this season. And th- there were obviously some games where he was pretty masterfully at calling things. But for I would say for the most part, we were left more on the end of wanting. And I think that's, that just shows you, too, from the offensive production just wasn't up to par this season. What we used to expect from these Saints, and it wasn't, was definitely nowhere near that. The past two years' offensive productions did big time, and yeah, it's amazing what happens when you have a Hall of Fame quarterback retire. But that's going to be, I think, obviously the biggest key. I mean, what what are we going? What are they going to do? What are the Saints going to have? Looking at them under center for next year, are we really going to do this with Andy Dalton kind of thing as him the quote unquote bridge quarterback? If you find that young guy in the draft, or are you going to go somewhere else and find a free agent, maybe veteran that's still young to try and, you know, blossom and lead this team completely off track? My, my wife is sold on the, the, the notion that Derek Carr is the answer here in New Orleans, and I just, I don't know if I can get on board with that. Yeah, to I me, mean, Derek Carr and, and Andy
0: Dalton are the same guy.
1: Like, well, she says. I, I mean, she points out the connection to Dennis Allen, which makes me laugh too. I'm like, we you gonna start? She's gonna start doing the podcast for me. I think. I mean, they do know each other, right? Like, Derek Carr was Dennis Allen's quarterback. <laughs> I gave her but, credit
0: for that, but like, that was not exactly a good times a, a good experience <laughs> for for Da. And I don't think he was. I think Dennis Allen drafted Derek Carr because. When he got there, it was Terrell Pryor. So yeah, so he was the second round in 2014. And Dennis Allen was the head coach from 2012 to 2014. Yeah, so so they only crossed paths for part of one season. It's not like you had a ton of you know infrastructure there where you were like, oh, well, they know each other so well. Like Clearly, they, there was a connection in the sense that DA thought that he was going to be the quarterback to sur- help him survive. But that didn't happen, and Dennis Allen
1: got fired midseason. So... Well, wow. that's that's what my wife is clinging to as the hope and future for the Saints.
0: I mean, it's not a terrible take. Like they do know each other, right? There is familiarity there, and that's that's better than nothing. But I don't think that there's a ton of success linked to that. And I, I like I just I feel like Derek Carr and and Andy Dalton are the are very much the same skill set and player. like wrong side of thirty, doesn't have a cannon for an arm.
1: Isn't that mobile? Yeah, it doesn't seem like Carr's been around that long, but you know, when you said that the wrong side of 30, I'm like, damn, you're right. He's already 31.
0: Yeah, I mean, eight years, 2014 draft. Yeah. He's made the playoffs, what, once? Middle
1: name is Dallas. He's better than his brother. So that's going to be curious, too. Does the market, will the market look at Derek Carr as this, as a franchise type of quarterback, or is he, he's someone that you have? like on the back burner, break in case of emergency kind of backup guy.
0: I don't know, but he threw for 50 touchdowns his last year at Fresno State. That's pretty wild. 50 touchdowns in 13 games. It's good to have Devontae Adams. Good for him. Yeah, yeah, right. I guess I had him in, in Vegas and it didn't, I mean, they, he, Devontae had a decent season when he stopped pushing photographers. <laughs> anyway, yeah, that's all I got. I just,
1: oh. I just want them to do something. Well, we, we got a while for them to do anything. Like we said, that first domino will definitely be Peyton getting dealt. We'll at least get the compensation back so we know what the Saints get to play with come the NFL draft. And you know what? I, I, there might be some picks, obviously, that aren't even this year that spill over into the 2024 draft. Yeah, and I, and I,
0: I don't think that this team's going to draft a quarterback. If they were going to draft a quarterback, they would draft it like Desmond Ritter or Kenny Pickett last year. I think they're going to sign somebody. Like if if you were going to if you were going to draft a quarterback, you would have done it when Sean Payton was here. Like you're not going to draft a quarterback and say, okay, Dennis, mold him, or Pete.
1: Right. Well,
0: that's why he, I, he I, hasn't I, done I, it in 15 years. Why are we doing now? Well, Ian Book was stolen away from us. No, they cut Ian Book. <laughs> 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 if they wanted him book, they could have not cut him.
1: Um, I just think that's funny. It's like, you know, yeah. The Sean Payton, the quarterback whisperer, doesn't have a really good history of drafting any got anybody.
0: That's the thing. Like I, I yeah, everyone tells Gary me Grayson. that Sean Payton is this fantastic quarterback evaluator and 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 developer, and maybe he is, but there's no evidence to support that. Like none. Like, did Drew Brees get significantly better over the time that he was here because of Sean Payton? Or was he kind of programmed, and then like yeah, they they kind of peaked together. Like yeah. if the Saints drafted Drew Brees and developed Drew Brees, that would be one thing. They didn't. All the quarterbacks they drafted, you know, have done nothing. I mean, like you could even you could look at like the Patriots and say, well, yeah, Garoppolo has been has been a competent starter. Jacoby Brissett has been a competent starter. Matt Castle was good enough that one team, at least one team, was like, yeah, you should start for us. He was a yeah. backup for a long time. Like the Saints don't have that. Chase Daniel is the, probably their most accomplished quarterback alumni that is not Drew Brees, maybe Teddy, but again, another quarterback that they did not draft or develop. Right, I was going to say, they didn't draft him. Taysom is probably the, the closest thing you could have to like a quarterback they developed. He's not even a quarterback anymore. So like, like that is, at least that's what they'll tell you. So like, I'm not convinced. And then we're talking about him getting traded to a team, and it's like, oh, yeah, yeah, he wants to go coach Russell Wilson. He wants to go coach Justin Herbert. Right. Like, I'm not convinced that, that he's going to draft a guy. I, I don't know. Like, that is always the weird thing to me when people are giving Sean Payton accolades. I think that Sean Payton is a great coach and a great game plan guy and a great play caller and a great offensive wizard, but I'm not convinced that he is a quarterback
1: whisperer like everyone says he is. No, we, we went, what, Garrett Grace in the third round? I think that was a third round draft pick, right? Yes. And yeah, there, yeah. there was Ian Book, there was right? there.
0: Jameis. For like seven games, right? Like he, he looked okay. He didn't look great, but he didn't look bad. He didn't throw any interceptions, which is you know great. He got it to a five and two record, so I guess that might be one that you look at and you're like, okay, I'll give him credit for that. But I mean, he was the number one overall pick, so it's not like he came in without any skills. I just, I, I I've never understood why he gets that quarterback whisperer. G- like, give that to Kyle Shanahan, right? Like this guy literally can take any quarterback and bring him to a Super Bowl. Welcome in there, right? Like, meanwhile, do we think that Sean did an excellent job with Trevor Simeon, right? Like, with Luke McCown, like, this star? I, I don't know. It's a strange thing to me.
1: Luke McCown, uh, though, like, rode that backup quarterback gig into a fantastic commercial with Verizon, like, being like something like being on backup or reserve and always being ready to go kind of thing. I thought that was masterful on that end of it. But, yeah, I, that was one thing with the Saints, too, you know, with – both quarterbacks of the offense and then both'm I'm, I'm quarterback of the defense, I haven't seen the team develop many linebackers. That was always an, no,
0: it's a position they don't they don't necessarily draft, but they I mean they developed Caden Ellis. Yeah, that's um, right this was
1: a little different I, I I don't know. I had always thought of that. It was like they always had a problem when they had drafted linebackers having success developing them, um, whereas their their acquisition of them on the open market or via trade was a lot better. But if they they have they have that target out on the free agent market at quarterback, who's it going to be? Who who's it really going to be over? That's going to improve this year's situation from from what we saw production wise. And I think the most important thing is obviously points on the board, getting into the reds in the end zone. I told you already. I don't need to tell you again, Lamar. But that he's not like um. You have to make a, a serious trade for him. I'm, I'm just thinking like what veteran could be available as a, a quote unquote free agent. And it's, it's not really exciting, you know, No, it's not, that's why it's like it, it kind of weighing it back and forth. Are you going with that quarterback of the future in the draft? Or are you just going with that vet that can ho-hum kind of get the job done for you? No, I think they're going to go, go find somebody. That's what this team does, but
0: they're in a similar scenario to the, to the Broncos, right? Like the Broncos make sense to hire Sean Payton because they've already established the fact that that they're in win now mode, and you can't suddenly say, okay, yeah, we're 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 not willing to go all in now, even though we were willing to go all in last year. Yeah. The Saints are in a similar scenario, right? Like if you're not willing to tear things down, if you're not willing to trade off assets and try to collect, um, you know, future picks, right? At least not in ways that make sense, like C.J. Gardner Johnson. Was not that like that? That was not the reason that you traded C.J. Gardner Johnson. That was just a that was just poor planning on the Saints' part.
1: That was kind of amusing from the television playoff broadcast, who yeah. essentially ripped the Saints on that one, they're catching strays in a game they're not even you know playing in. But yeah, and and
0: so like if you're going to do that, then you have to be willing to go all in, and that's why I went on that long rant about Lamar Jackson because that's going all into me. Like you could trade for Jimmy Garoppolo, you could have this really boring offense. I guess maybe you could sign. I think Jimmy's a free agent. Like maybe Jimmy's the guy, but again, it's like, do you want to be have a dynamic quarterback or do you want to have Andy Dalton? Right.
1: Well, I kind of brought this up too. I think on one of the, our episodes that even if you do get Garoppolo, you might still need Andy Dalton because Garoppolo can't make the whole season. He's got a broken foot, right? <laughs>
0: so it's not like he's gonna he's gonna be a guy you can necessarily depend on. So for, uh, full
1: circle, you come back to Andy.
0: Yeah, Andy's healthy. They like, give him that. Never gets hurt. That's true. All right. I think that's it. I I think my tone can convey how little excitement I have for the Saints' offense. Hopefully, that changes. Gosh, I hope. So. Yeah. All right. Let's loop back around. This is inside Black and Gold. Hit the subscribe button if you haven't already, and we're gonna come back and go through the list of all the Louisiana adjacent players in the NFC and AFC championship. There are a lot of them. A lot of them, they're not all former Saints or LSU players. All right, stick around for that.